0: Welcome to Waterbrook Church located in Victoria, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. This series is entitled, Glorious Disruption, when Jesus shows up and turns everyone's world upside down. We believe this study of God's word is about to turn many people's lives completely around and maybe even upside down because that's what happens in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus comes to people who are absolutely stunned and amazed by him and they are profoundly and gloriously changed forever. Let's begin by praying for our joy and amazement in Christ. Let's worship together. Well, hasn't it been good to sing to the Lord, lift up his praises this morning to be reminded of who he is, and that's what I want us to see this morning as we go into the Gospel of Luke. As we go into this section on the birth narrative of Jesus with Mary, one of the things I immediately want to do for you is remove from uh, this text the sentimentality of it Um, because I want you to think just for a moment what's going on here Uh, it's gloriously simple it's profoundly humble here is the God of the universe announcing the invasion of the kingdom of heaven into the history of men to a young woman a teenage girl it's our God that's how he works He comes to a teenage girl, and he's announcing that the climactic moment that the ages have been anticipating is now being realized. He doesn't walk into uh, Nero's uh, palace. He doesn't go to the temple uh, in uh, Jerusalem. He goes into no man's land, to Nazareth, to nobody on the world scale, and he tells them now. 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 The kingdom of God is coming now. The king of the universe is coming in human form. And so you and I need to realize that Gabriel is not coming to make us sing kumbaya type songs about Mary and Jesus. He's announcing the invasion of the kingdom of heaven. Upsetting, defeating sin, death, Satan, and Uh, bringing in an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. So I just want you to think about that this morning, because as we uh, go into the Gospel of Luke, I've called this glorious disruption. And I want you to think about this. This is heaven disrupting earth. This is heaven disrupting hell. This is Christ disrupting sin, destroying sin, destroying death. glorious and he's coming to Mary in Nazareth. Isn't that glorious? Just to stop and think about that. I called the series Disrupted Anonymity, or the sermon today, because really that's what's going on. Uh, She's not going to be anonymous much longer. (laughs) Down through the ages, uh, across the world, everybody's going to know who Mary is uh, before long, but here, She is hearing this message profoundly shaking and rocking her world and at the same time saying, okay, may it be done to me as you have said. And I want you to just ponder that for a moment. Um, One of the arguments about why Luke wrote this particular gospel to uh, Theophilus Uh, Daryl Bach argues that it's possible that Theophilus, because he uses the word assurance, he says it's possible that Theophilus has been shaken by the events of the Roman Empire. That uh, he has, on the one hand, seen the pushback against Jesus in the Jewish community. He's a Gentile. And then simultaneously he has seen persecution come from the Roman establishment And he could be wrestling with, is this really how it's supposed to work? And what Daryl Bach argues is that Luke is going back for the assurance of Theophilus and gazing through the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus and looking into the Old Testament on the one hand and saying, this is exactly what it said would happen. And we see Jesus. He looks back and he sees Jesus in the prophecies of the Old Testament in order to assure Theophilus. And at the same time, he's announcing to Theophilus that what is happening is not failure, but it's actually God triumphing even in and through persecution. So let me read to you uh, what Daryl writes and then let's spend a little bit of moment uh, thinking about this. He says, the, the two volumes, Luke, Acts, assured Theophilus that persecution of the church was not a sign of God's judgment. Instead, the persecution had been predicted and, listen to this, was the means by which the message could go out to even more people across the world. Isn't that great? He's saying that persecution, and you see this in Paul's testimony, persecution actually served to advance the gospel to peoples. And so he was pointing that out to him. He said, the work details, Luke uh, and Acts, detail how Jesus is at the center of God's plan. A plan that not only anticipated his death, but also more significantly, his resurrection ascension to God's right hand where he offers the benefits of salvation as Lord to any who come to him. So this is what uh, Daryl Bach is arguing. He's saying the center of the story is not Mary. This is not the story of Mary. This is the story of God. This is the mission of God. Coming into the world. Mary, obviously, is marvelously included. This anonymous girl is brought into the plan of God. But what's being declared to Theophilus, what's being declared to us, is that the God of time and eternity has entered into time to triumph over sin and death. This is the story of God. And we are called in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, we are called to marvel at God to be blown away at the disruption of the Gospel with life and hope. We've been singing all morning long about the need for hope, about the provision of hope, the certainty of hope in the Gospel. And so, this is what I want us to see today. Um, It wasn't just a disruption. It wasn't meant just to disrupt Mary. It was meant to disrupt you today in reading it. It was meant to disrupt me because... You and I are, most of us, pretty anonymous as well. Thank God He's come for us. Aren't you glad for that? But here's the other danger I think that happens for us. Sometimes we actually want anonymity. Right? You see the world and the mess it's in. You hear the brokenness of politics. You watch what's going on and you think, wouldn't it be great just to be left alone? Right? Just to be withdrawn to pull back. I think there's a lot of people who have liked COVID over the last year because in one sense they haven't had to go to be with people. They've been able to say, sorry, I can't come. <laughs> so I don't have to show up. They've pulled back. But here's the danger of all of this. We are on mission and God is never off mission. He is on the move. And COVID as difficult and painful and hard as it for many of us, the reality is has not stopped the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords from executing His plan to bring the nations to Himself. And so here's what we've got to guard our sense, ourselves against. and I believe Luke addresses it, Axel addresses it. Cultural pessimism. Because when we start to think negatively by everything we see around us, we, we disengage missionally. Cultural pessimism produces missional disengagement. Friends, we are not to be missionally disengaged. How do we fix that? The only way is not to listen to the bad news, but to believe the good news. Right? The good news of the gospel. So we need what I'm going to call biblical faith, right? The faith that comes out of the truth of the Word of God. Biblical faith will always produce missional engagement. If it's not producing missional engagement, we haven't understood what we've read. We haven't heard what the Spirit has said. So what does, how, do you, how do you get the biblical faith that triumphs over the cultural pessimism? We battle this all the time. What does Paul say in Romans. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, the Gospel of Luke. That's why we are in this together. So let me give you a quote that I shared with you before from Christopher Wright. Our mission is nothing less or more than participating with God in this grand story until he brings it to its guaranteed climax who's on mission who's joining whose mission we got to get over the fact that sometimes when world is dark we're pleading with god to go on mission with us as if he's taken a holiday my dear friends god is never off mission christ is seated at the right hand of god he is building his church in the gates of hell will not prevail against it we are off mission he is never off mission we need to come to the Gospel and ask, Luke, ask God by the message of Luke to put us back, to pull us out, to disrupt our desire for anonymity. And again, it's not about us not being anonymous. It's about Jesus being famous, to be engaged. Tom Schreiner says, The Lord often fulfills promises in ways we don't expect, Ways that astonish us. And ultimately, we are to be like Mary. That's what he says this text about. We are to be like Mary, servants of the Lord, called upon to have the same humble spirit as hers. We too say to the Lord, may our lives be according to your word and your plan, not ours. So... We need a radically God-centered worldview. You understand what's going on here? It's the story of God. It's the story of the mission of God in Jesus Christ. We need God to disrupt it because if we look in the mirror, we'll lose hope. If we look at the world and ourselves in that, we'll lose heart, we'll lose focus. We need to get our eyes on God so we stay on mission. So here's, here's what I want us to see in the life of Mary and I want us to pray that we would say today, God disrupt us. It, wherever we're trying to hide out from you, disrupt our anonymity, give us the response of Mary. May it be to your servant. I am your servant. May it to be to me as you have purposed and, and said. But I want you to hear this. What frees us from ministry and mission in the name of Jesus is when we're more conscious of God's favor than our insignificance. Got that? That's what's happening with Mary. When we are more convinced of His faithfulness than our fickleness when we are more driven by his power than our limitations what was the key verse that elizabeth just read nothing is impossible with god Isn't that good news And that we are more captivated by His call than our comfort. This is a difficult call for Mary. But she's not having this kind of deep self-reflective moment on the difficulty. She is caught up that this is the King of Kings coming into the world. The promised Messiah. And she says, let it be. She sings the Beatles song. (laughs) Let it be, let it be is it Mother Mary? Sings? No? <laughs> it is. <laughs> anyway, so let's go into this text of Scripture, but before we do, let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, God, show us your glory. Oh, God, get a hold of us with this warrior Gabriel angel coming in to announce an invasion from heaven. And let us have the heart of Mary, which would say, we are your servants, disrupt as you will, and fit us to serve you by faith. Help us, oh God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what I want you to see in this text. I'll try to skip through it uh, rather quickly. I, I have committed to go through the Gospel of Luke in a year. I thought that was reasonable. Now it seems insane, but I'm going to do it, right, Gabe? You guys will help me, John? Well, I don't know. (laughs) We'll do it, all right. (laughs) But here's what I want you to see in this text of Scripture, the astonishing favor of God. We need to see this with Mary. The astonishing favor of God, the astonishing faithfulness of God, the astonishing force of God, and then the astonishing faith of Mary. And as we see these things, we get our vision of God. God will help us not, you know, pull up a chair and watch Rome burn. Wait for the world to perish, but rather to be engaged on mission with God. So let's look at this and pray. So here's the first thing I want you to see in this text. The astonishing favor of God. And, and, and that really is what's dominating initially. Expect God to choose to use the unexpecting and the unlikely. I love this, right? God, in Luke, will choose women, will choose weirdos, will choose people of ill repute, and he'll build his kingdom to the glory and praise of his name so that he'll get all the glory, because it is only by his grace that he does it. So we have this text of Scripture that teaches us. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, In the sixth month, that's Elizabeth's pregnancy, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Who sends him? Whose messenger is he is? Does he belong to? It's God. And he comes as a messenger from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Can any good come out of Nazareth? I love it. This is like where I come from, right? Hicksville. Can any good come out of Nazareth? That's, um, this is the city where to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. God is sovereign over all that. He's in all those details, time, birth, family, history, lineage, all of it. He's over it. Isn't that marvelous? The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O what? favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found what? Favor with God. Tom Schreiner says, in, in this text, Zechariah earlier was said to be troubled when Gabriel came. And the word that's used there, etaracthe, is a word that means to be disturbed or troubled. Mary responds in a similar way. But when Luke writes it, he doubles down on this word and uses diteracthe, which is, as Shriner says, apropos. She, she is greatly troubled. So Zechariah was troubled. Mary is greatly troubled by what he says oh favored one (laughs) you know it's like what right isn't this marvelous that this begins with god putting his favor on a nobody and as you come to the gospel of luke this story will be repeated over and over and over again when you get to the book of acts It'll be repeated over and over again. And when you get beyond the book of Acts to the history of mission in the world, in the church, it'll happen over and over and over again. We were talking about it this week, and Gabe was talking about, I think he was talking, reading or listening to a sermon, he was talking about Ephesians chapter 1. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, we begin with this great declaration um, that we are all under the favor of God in Jesus Christ. And so when, when this text begins, Mary, O favored one, if you're a Christian, you are to hear the same words echoed over you. In Jesus Christ, Christ says to you, O favored one. Isn't that marvelous? He has called nobodies and broken sinners and weak people. And He has made a great deal out of the purpose and glory of God through weak, broken sinners. Philip Ryken says, It is doubtful whether Gabriel could have found a more unlikely person to greet anywhere in Israel. I love that. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro fro throughout the earth seeing if there's anyone's heart that's inclined towards him. Here's God in heaven. Talking to Gabriel, the angel of Daniel, you know, the angel of history in the presence of God, and God's going, <whistles> and not just like random, anybody, Mary purposefully prepared her. Go. I have to think Gabriel was like giddy. If I was Gabriel, I'd be going, I love my God. <laughs> so unlike Satan, Right? Someone like Satan, egotistical, destructive Satan. Our God loves the weak and the broken and the lonely, the isolated and the nobodies. Aren't you glad for that? Praise God. Praise God, Waterbrook, because if that ain't true, we ain't got nothing going. Mary was among the lowly, he writes. She was young, possibly as young as 12 or 13 years old, in that awkward stage between childhood and womanhood. Like many people in Israel, she was a poor, uneducated peasant living in a small county town far from the center of power. From a merely human perspective, she was insignificant. Kent Hughes called her a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. Or as the Williams brothers used to sing, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who will save anybody. That's me. Is that you? Aren't you glad that God came down and took John Hall out of rehab? Gabe Zapata out of brokenness? Dibley out of who knows where? (laughs) Probably death, that's what I think. And he said, you will serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what he does. That's what he does. This is the beauty of ministry. This is the glory of God. This is how Paul writes... to bring to nothing the things that are so that no human being may boast in the presence of God because of Him you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Isn't that great that Jesus is all that for us? And it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast where? Boast in the Lord. Again, Darrell Bach says, The example of God's unpretentiousness is an attitude that we as His children should possess. We might expect great things from God and anticipate that He'll work through the great in society, but God shows His greatness by working with anyone on the street who's willing to be used by Him. That's where we start. Expect Expect God to choose the unsuspecting, the unexpecting, and the unlikely. Praise God. The astonishing favor of God, the astonishing faithfulness of God. God, Expect God to keep His covenantal promises made down through the ages in His Word. That's what's being said here to Mary. Mary, God is keeping the covenants and the promises He has made over the millenniums to His people now in your life. Wow. That moment. Wow. What a moment. Listen to the explanation. Verse 30, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have what? Found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus. What does Jesus mean? More than that, God saved. Right? Emmanuel's God with us. That comes up in the text that we'll go to. But God saves. Jehovah saves. God saves. Isn't the great news? You'll call him. this is God saving. This is God coming. This is God intervening. Man cannot save. Politics cannot save. You can't save yourself. Psychology doesn't save. Medicine doesn't save. Only God can save. And God is about to save. Mary, God's coming to save. Philip Reichen says there's a comparison between John the Baptist and Jesus. There's similarities, but Jesus is being held up profoundly. He says, yet for all their similarities, what Luke mainly wants us to see are the differences. Who's greater, John the Baptist or Jesus? Because there's real parallels in the text as you walk it through. In the announcements and then the singing afterwards, there's parallels. He says, John's mother was barren, but the mother of Jesus had never been with a man at all. John would, have been a, uh, would be a prophet crying in the wilderness. Jesus would reign on David's everlasting throne. John would be great before the Lord. Jesus would be great without qualification, the Son of the Most High God. John would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus would be conceived by the Holy Spirit. John would, be prepared for God's com- pre- would prepare for God's coming. When Jesus came, God was there in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Who is greater, John or Jesus? Luke argues from the lesser to the greater to give more glory to Jesus. Jesus was like John, but superior in every way, every respect, infinitely superior. So, what does he say? You will have a son. At the very least, Jesus is Mary's son. Jesus is Mary's son, he says. Jesus is God's son, and Jesus is David's son. Look at the text. He says, Mary, you'll have a son. You'll bear a son. It's your son. You'll call him Jesus. Here we see in, G- in, the, in this announcement, Mary will have an actual son. Named Jesus, which means God will take on human flesh. Fully human. In order that he might die, but also ever live to intercede with you. I want to tell you something. Jesus is exalted right now, but he is still the God-man. He ever lives to intercede for us at the right hand of the Father. He is not ashamed to call us His brothers. He is fully acquainted with your suffering and your struggle. He took on our flesh. That's glorious. Jesus. That's our fighter verse this week. Right? No ear from of old. No ear has heard or perceived No eye has seen a God like ours who works on behalf of those who wait for Him. There's no God. In all the religions of the world, in all the religions of history, a God who takes on human flesh in order to bear our sin, in order to identify with our weakness, in order to rescue us from our sin and suffering. No God like our God. We see here that He is deity. Listen to what He says. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus, and He will be great and will be called what? Amen. The Son of the Most High. Who is He? This is God. He will be great and will be called the Son. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a Son is given, and the government will be on His shoulder, and He will be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're told He is not only God's Son, He is the eternal Son of God, but He is David's Son, the promised Messiah who they've been waiting for for millenniums. He says here in verse 32, He will be great, called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give Him the throne of His father David, and He will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of His kingdom there will be no end. This is Isaiah 9, 7-8. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. How will it be done? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. This is God. This is our God. Sending His Son to take on flesh. To be the eternal Son of God who reigns over the Trinity's at work here as we'll see. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who will be David's son who will reign forever. Where is Jesus right now? He is reigning at the right hand of the father on the throne of David over his people Israel now and forevermore my dear friends this world do not let the bad news dominate do not let the politics dominate do not let all the fears dominate because no matter what's going on in this plane it's already settled psalm 2 i have put my son i have installed my son on his throne on his throne forever this is a fact Tremble and rejoice. Isn't that good news? I don't know what you came in here with today, but I can tell you this. When you came in, Jesus was on the throne. When you go out, Jesus is on the throne. When you live out your life, when you face the troubles with your children and everything that's going on in your career, when you're facing a world that is so pessimistic, we assert this because God has made it real. Jesus reigns. Our God reigns. And how long will He reign? Come on, sing the Hallelujah Chorus for me. And He shall reign forever and ever. And He shall... Okay, we can stop right there. (laughs) Isn't that great news? That's the best part of the Handel's Messiah, I think. Right? Let's stand up, let's rejoice, let's fall down, let's weep. He is Lord. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news. Our God. Did you need to hear that today? Mary, He is God's Son. He will be on David's throne. The faithfulness of God to keep his word at the price of his own son. We could say more on that, but let's move to the astonishing force of God. Mary asked the question, not like Zachariah asked the question, without faith. Mary asked the question of faith. So how's this going to happen? How will this be? How will you do it? And what's the answer? And God said, spirit of the lord come on us right that's what's going to happen it is the invasion of the power of god verse 35 the angel answered the holy spirit will come upon you the power of the most high will overshadow you and the child to be born of you will be called holy The Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has already conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Listen to verse 37. For what? Nothing will be impossible with God. Tom Schreiner writes, one of the striking affirmations here is that nothing's impossible with God. He can raise the dead. He can cause a baby to be conceived in a womb apart from sexual relationships god does not promise to do whatever we wish and hope for ultimately we are like mary servants of the lord called upon to have the same humble spirit as her do it lord added it says here we find the basis for supernatural birth which also explains why mary can be confident that she can have a son the lord can do the humanly impossible isn't that great God can bring Israel back from uh, exile. Jeremiah thirty-two, seventeen. He can work in the hearts of human beings so that they're truly saved. Mark ten, twenty-seven. For human beings, in and of themselves, have no desire to be saved. What God ordains and designs cannot be thwarted. Marianne, what's your favorite verse? Did you say it? That's that's as loud as it gets, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't ask permission. She's going, you dog. No, (laughs) Job forty two twenty, right? Forty two two. That's right. I got a typo. It is forty two two. Do we have the Job forty two two? I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. It's great to have a wife who believes that. Amen. She believed that before she met me. That's why she could marry me. (laughs) You can fix him. <laughs> Keep praying, honey. <laughs> but that's what God that's that's what's being said here. You've got to get your eyes not on what you can do. This is not about your weakness and your brokenness and your anonymity. This is about a God who can take somebody out of nowheresville and build a kingdom that will last forever. Nothing is impossible with God. That's what we gotta get our heads and hearts around. Luke's gospel. And, and the letter of uh, the historical document of Acts: both Luke's gospel and Acts is the incoming of the Holy Spirit in Jesus, in Israel, and then in the church, in Pentecost and on to take and make an everlasting kingdom that loves, celebrates, shares, eats Jesus. Nothing is impossible with God. And so Luke is starting out and he's doing what Paul says he prays about in Ephesians. He says, For this reason, Ephesians 1.15, Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering in your prayers that the god of the lord our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him i'm praying for that i'm praying that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened why that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe immeasurable power for us who believe Our problem is not our weakness. Our problem is our unbelief. Help us, God. Pray for one another. Give us eyes to see the glory of the King. To see the glory of the coming King. Of the reigning King. Of the ruling King. And so the way we, we move out of our Desire for anonymity is to get our eyes off of all those things that hold us back and get our eyes on Jesus who will save the nations, who will save our neighbors, who will take people like us and build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what's being said to Mary. That's what's being said to Mary. And so that's when we come to the astonishing faith of Mary, which I believe is a gift of God towards her. But this is where she says, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of God. Let it be done to me according to your word. Again, Daryl Bach writes, Engagement was a serious matter in Judaism. Just so you know, she wasn't going, Oh yeah, this will be easy. He says, we read in Deuteronomy 22 that if a man has consensual relationships with a woman engaged to another man, then both the man and woman are to be executed. Engagement took place before witnesses with the giving of a bride price. The wedding would typically occur a year later. The woman belonged to her future husband at the time of her engagement. Now, what's going on is Mary is realizing this could cost me. But she's not even caught up with the cost. She's caught up with the glory. He is worthy. He's worthy. This is worth it. (laughs) Mary says, let's do this. You do this thing. You do this thing. Don't don't you want that prayer today to enter into your heart? That's what the gospel... God, you are going to take nobody's... And it's it's not an easy call. If you follow me, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And there's almost a sense in which, come... Spirit of the Lord, fall on me. Do this thing. Do it now. Be glorified, right? I offer you myself. That's what Luke is asking us to do. This is not Kumbaya Christmas, this is not Mary had a little lamb. This is when Jesus Christ bids a man to come. He bids him come and die. So I want to circle back to what I said at the beginning. What enables us to do this ministry is getting our eyes off ourselves and getting our eyes on Jesus, on God. What frees us from ministry and mission in the name of Jesus It's when we're more conscious of God's favor than our insignificance, more convinced of His faithfulness to all His people than our fickleness, more driven by His power than our limitations, and more captivated by His call than our comfort. So I'm going to ask you these questions in conclusion. Do you believe that God delights to work through someone like you. It's not enough to say. When, 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 when the message comes to Mary, Mary, oh favored one, that isn't God putting up with you. The favor of God is the pleasure of God that he has placed on, on undeserving sinners. Do you believe that God delights in you? That he loves you? That He sings over you? Do you believe that? Want that for you? To follow? Do you believe that God is determined to work through someone like you? Not willing to. Covenantally promised before you were ever born to save the nations for the glory of His grace and for the reward of His Son who is worthy. He's determined. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish it. Do you believe God's more determined than you are? That's the only way you're going to go on this. Do you believe that God is able to work through someone like you? Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? Do you believe God deserves, that Jesus deserves, to be trusted by someone like you? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Oh, yeah. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not, along with him, freely give us all things? He's worthy. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Our God and Father, on this Sunday morning, in the middle of nowhere, we have gathered as a bunch of nobodies. And we have looked into the Word that You have spoken, inspired by Your Spirit, given through the Gospel of Luke. We have seen the faith of Mary. We have seen the promises of God. We have seen the work of the Holy Spirit. We have seen the identity of Jesus. And in this Gospel, You have said, Follow Me. Help us. Help us get our eyes off ourselves. Disrupt the desire we have to live anonymous lives. And help us to live for the praise of the glory of His grace. Help us, O God. We want to serve you. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were able to seek, savor, and share the all-surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to find out more about our church, submit a prayer request, watch previous sermons, go to www.waterbrook.church. Have a blessed week.